I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Greg, and Donna, Jimmy, and JC. You're listening to FP Interviews, in-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. So, so Jimmy's headphones, they work. The headphones finally work. And after all that last week, the headphones work. Unfortunately, the, the microphone's not, <laughs> the microphone's not working. You're taking the fucking piss now. You know, you were so happy. You're like a, like a little kid in a candy store the other day. And now you look like you've been stung by a wasp. <laughs> well, no wonder. Look, you get me this. Everybody comes over. I have a good conversation. Oh, yeah. Guys got me this. It's amazing. I've got to use it for the podcast. It doesn't even work. But it what? did work, though. And what type of people are you having over there impressed by podcast mics that you do from your and a podcast you do from your house for? Well, there's not much in my life now that I can brag about, and that's one thing I can now. <laughs> podcast. We'll mic. get it sorted out for you. Now we're, we're going to send over um, our very own personal Dan Wong very shortly. All right, and he's going to fix it up for you somehow. No, it's very send odd. Him. It is odd. Don't send him because he won't leave. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, it's all right. We can hear you, and you can hear us. That's what, all that matters. It is interview, and it will be a great one today. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, our guest today is someone who goes back a very long way with our very own Jimmy Brennan and Craig Forrest. He played for the Montreal Impact, Toronto FC, had stints in Chicago, New York, and of course, represented Canada proudly. Greg Sutton joins us. Sutton, welcome for the first time to Footy Prime. It's a privilege, an honor. It's been a while. I've been trying to figure this out with Stacks to figure out a time we can make it work, so... Finally, yeah, I've always drink, noticed that when you schedule, have like two, I'll be able to squeeze you guys in. Two, two ex-professionals <laughs> try and organize things. It just never really works properly. Does no, it? But, it's not good. No, it's not good when you get three meat, meatballs like us trying to figure things out. 
<laughs> but welcome to the show. Um, you're right now, you're your master coach at Concordia at the moment. We'll get to that later in the show for sure. I want to know, though, you play with Jimmy a lot, TFC and for Canada. I'll ask Jimmy the same question about you, but what kind of teammate was Jimmy? <laughs> Why are you laughing already? <laughs> uh, listen, I was, uh, I was going to say I've known Jimmy for a while. I mean, we, we went back even when I first started with, with uh, the Olympic team. And this would have been back in early 2000s. So Jimmy was overseas. So we would cross paths a little bit in, in international camps and stuff like that, but didn't really have a little, real good chance of getting to know Jimmy until we started at TFC. And, you know, that was a whole adventure in itself. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we uh, needless to say, we had a lot of fun those first couple of years in Toronto and, and hopefully, you know, the success was, was, was far and in between, but I think it was part was just because, uh, you know, we, we had a challenging, uh, challenging build, if you want to say, but, but Jimmy was somebody that, you know, was always going to keep the party live and, and, and light. And, and we had a good time in the locker room. That's for sure. We had a lot of good times all on the road. That's for sure. Uh, probably too many, but, but no, I think uh, James. Oh, James was always coming to the to the pitch with the right attitude, and I think a lot of guys, you know, in a serious, serious way, you know, took that to heart and 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 you know could feel the passion behind it because obviously Jimmy playing for for his hometown. My I was just a few uh, you know born down in Hamilton, but wasn't as connected as as Jimmy was to Toronto. But you know, I think james just you know he was he was a he was a perfect captain for for those first couple of years and and uh yeah we had a good time that's for sure yeah they didn't put your billboard your you were billboard down the gardener did they no they didn't and that still bugs the hell out of me but mind you they were, your fucking arms are like you're six six your 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 wingspan's about seven six yeah they wouldn't get you on a billboard you know what it's like trying to find pants and shirts right so no same well no i don't can't fit on a billboard either right i should have actually wore short uh underwear in that picture didn't, didn't realize until <laughs> i drove by the gardener one day yeah that would have been a first <laughs> i've got to find a picture of that somewhere yeah. there must be a picture lurking somewhere of that that billboard do i want to go looking for it i'm worried about what else i might find yeah, it's true. Yeah. Don't don't Google picture of Jimmy Brennan. Was Jimmy your most naked teammate ever? Hundred percent. I tried to follow in his full footsteps, but you know, I was it was a hard it was a hard act to follow. You know, I just I, I yeah. I mean, we, I, I don't know, James. We were probably fairly close to in the locker room as far as where our stalls were, but I was I made sure I was still a few few doors down from him because you know you, you never know when you bend you know when you turn around and someone's bent over in front of you it's likely it's going to be james so you got to keep your distance but yeah he, he, he liked to he liked to strut around there like a pony for sure <laughs> i'd have a little trot in the morning when i came in <laughs> sure. hey jimmy what kind of teammate was greg Oh boy, he was uh, he was awesome. You know, he was he was always always up for a laugh. You know, always had a smile on his face. Um, and we we got on. We had a we had a good crew. You know, we had a we had a lot of banter. Uh, you know, guys that guys that really got on. We knew how 
as as to what Craig was saying, you know, it was uh, or Greg was saying it was it was difficult times. You know, it really was that first couple of years. We had so much turnover as well, and you know, we we had to come in with a smile on our face. But you know, when uh, when it was time to have a laugh, we had a laugh. But when it was time to train, uh, you know, we were very professional. We worked our asses off matches. We worked our asses off. Um, but that was just the experience that we had as well. We needed to switch on and switch off. And, you know, Greg was like that, you know, when it was game time, it was, it was work. Um, and uh, he did, he led by example. He's, you know, I love playing with him. He was very vocal as well out on the pitch. And, you know, he's one of the, one of the leaders in the dressing room. Um, and we were, we were great friends on and off the pitch. You know, we, we always, always used to hang out. And remember, uh, his daughter and my, my son were, were born near enough the same time, same age. So we, uh, we had a lot of good times and, uh, it was great, great teammate. Love playing with him. Yeah, and we're still sure, friends today. And I make sure Maya stays far away from Phoenix, but. You know. Oh, where do you see Phoenix now? <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Just yeah. like daddy. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, keep well clear. Stay in Montreal. Keep a, yeah. a province in between you as well if you so, can manage it. Craig, Craig, you're, you're a few years, not too many, but a few years older than, than Greg. Where did your career paths cross? When did you get to know know him? Um, where did I get to know you? Like, it was a national team. Was yeah, it? we had a few camps. We had a few camps together. Your 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 days your days of the national team were probably he was getting <laughs> sorry, but you were getting towards the end of your career, and that was yeah. the my days are numbered. You were saying, yeah, yeah. So no, I uh, I didn't get. We didn't have too many camps together, to be fair. Um, and I think a lot of it was because Craig was on that different international dates kind. You know, like so all the guys in Europe you know, in the summertime would take their vacations and, you know, so it was all the other guys that had to fill in for them. Right. So that was when we, we would stand up, but no, I think, uh, we, we probably started to connect even when, 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 uh, when TFC started here as well, because obviously Craig doing a lot of broadcasts and so right. uh, we had known each other, of course, but that was when we started to become close as well. Just being living in the same, yeah. same city. Yeah. yeah. So was it yeah. you got injured, Greg, and then they had uh, Mo had the whole media circus with with Craig trying out for the team? <laughs> no, I don't think I was injured at that point. I think he came and just wanted to you know get that media circus off and running, and it, it was off and running. I remember training. I remember Stax was there. He had a good he had a good day. To be and fair, I rolled right? my ankle. I, yeah, and then, and then there was something at the end that was. Oh, my legs left me such the, my fucking legs. The old, good took old the bones right? out of them. That was, that was, you know what? Honestly, that was the, that was the most disappointing thing about that uh, that first couple of years is the turf. Mm, you know, yeah. like after that after that first year, I don't remember what was there was some concert or something that was at BMO that like uh, yeah, it was uh, Phil Collins, or Phil Collins. Collins or whatever. And after that day or after that concert, that turf was so matted down, it was like you were playing on the old original Astro turf. Yeah. And I remember a game in. Uh, I think it was the second year, Stephen Fry, second, third year, third year, third year. And Stephen Fry had been um, drafted and he got injured. I think he was, because he started that first, that first, uh, first couple of games in my, in, I think it was the 2010 season. And I, cause I had broke my finger anyway. So he had started and then he got injured and then I came back in 
and we were kicking off that turf and it was windy and I was never, I was, I was okay with my feet, but I was never, anywhere, you know, hold my hat up to saying I was good with my feet. And I honestly was struggling just to take goal kicks that day because just the turf was, it was like you're kicking off a road, you know? And I remember at halftime Carver, John was yelling at me yeah. like fucking hell sucks. Can you kick the ball to half field? <laughs> like, I see, man. I'm like the, the 50 mile per hour winds that are coming at me and the fucking <laughs> turf. I can't kick the ball off the goddamn crown. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I think I might have I think I might have said, JC, do, do you want me to take them? <laughs> <laughs> and I probably said you might as well. Yeah, you know, go, I, go I, ahead. We were like 10 years old or whatever, right? <laughs> But fuck, I remember that day, and I was so I was so bitter just at the goddamn turf because it was so matted down, and when it would get wet on top of it, it was so crap at that point. It, it was, was so bad. bad. Hey, why don't you tell me about Mojo when he used to come over and just pepper shots for forty five minutes <laughs> for your just, for your training session? Yeah, it was like I it was like I just had to stand in there and, and appease him and like entertain him for like a half hour, but it wouldn't last. <laughs> I never last for forty five an hour, just like just ripping shots left and right. Like, well, honestly, let me give it. I got to get out of here, man. You're killing me. Like, he was a special cat, eh? He was a special guy, eh, James? Oh, like, he was I a mean, beauty. I, you know, like, he was special, but. He, he'd he walk over, right? And he'd say, go, lads, warm up. And then we'd have the session. Now, normally, the, the head coach stays with the session, right? No, he and was still take it. You would turn around. And you'd have a, like two bags of balls just peppering shots on on sets as the training session's going on. Trying to destroy the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In my first year, we had I had two goalkeeper coaches. Right? Yeah. I had Karma Sako and then uh, come Eddie. on, James. And, and, yeah. Eddie Kio. Yeah. And so and I'm sitting there and I'm like, what's going on here? And then and then Mo would come down. It was like we had three coaches going on. It was myself, and I don't remember who the backup goalie was at that time. I think we had a couple young kids. Was it Kenny? But, huh? Kenny Kenny David Monsalve was in there. Oh, David Monsalve was there. Yeah. yeah. Monsalve was there. And there was, right. um, oh, you're going to remember him, James. Tomer, uh, Tomer Jachinski. Huh? Tomer Jachinski. something? Wasn't it Brian was something? There. He was there, but then there was Serge. Oh, Serge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he used to freak me out. Yeah. <laughs> he was a weird man. <laughs> he was a weird man, like a good guy, but he would he would be somebody who'd come in the locker room and he's just kind of just you you just move over to the side. You're thinking one day he's going to come in with those big trench coats, just <laughs> open a fire in the dressing room. But yeah, no, I mean Mo was uh, Mo was special for sure. But <laughs> is, is that because I mean Mo, Mo was obviously a forward? legendary forward right he probably didn't have much time for goalkeepers did he was he a strange coach to play for he just um, loved taking shots yeah i don't think he was that strange to play for i felt like you know with mo he was he had he had the ideas in his head yeah but it was hard for him to translate it right and that was the biggest challenge for him it was just i think it's it's like you hear about all those stories of you know those great players that just can't translate into being a good coach yeah. And I think that was his challenge. It was the communication, just trying to understand how to man-manage players. When he has an expectation, then majority of his players aren't living up to it, you know? Yeah. And so how do you and how do you deal with that? And that was the biggest mm-hmm. challenge he had. You know. 
no, you're Strange right. times, that's for sure. TFC in those years. But uh, like you said, great stories, right? And, and you, you make friendships. I guess sometimes in those tougher times, does that in many ways bring the group together? Perhaps yeah. I think to, we, to a great team? Yeah, I think we had a lot of success because of just kind of the adversity we went through at certain moments. I think especially in that second year. And I felt like that second year, we actually we actually had a decent start and decent, well, decent, a decent year. Yeah. And a part of it was because we had kind of went through all that shit in the first year. And then we added some quality to our roster, of course. Um, <clears throat> but I think part of it was now was, you know, and I think that's the biggest challenge. I, I saw it again, even in, in 2012, when, when I came here back to Montreal uh, after playing in New York for a couple of years. And Jesse Marsh was the head coach here, first year here when, when, when Montreal joined MLS. And, and Jesse was you know, someone that I felt like was going to do a good job of just understanding the culture of how to bring a team that has never been together together. And, you know, he did a good job that, of that. And, and part of that project was interesting to me. And that's kind of how we, we kind of started here in Montreal in 2012 was, was cause he had knew I'd been through it with Toronto and he, he was able to do a pretty good job of obviously building a good roster, but also just understanding of, of the type of players that, he needed to surround um, the group with, you know, you got guys like Davey Arnault, you know, guys like Patrice Bernier, you know, like guys like myself. I mean, we had, you know, and then you bring in some of these guys, you know, and go on with the Italian guys and Marco DeVaio and, and Nesta and all those kind of guys. But, you know, we were that group compared to that Toronto group. I think, you know, we were just, we were a lot more, um, understanding of the challenges ahead. And a part of it was because of what Jesse Marsh was able to kind of preach and kind of instruct our guys about, right. I think Mo was kind of just new to everything and hadn't been involved in that coaching realm at all. Right. And Jesse had been through that for, for some years with the national team and and being part of major league soccer for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think that was the difference. And that was where that challenge for us that first year in Toronto. And that's why I say in, in the second year, we were able to do a better job. So how did you end up in, in Toronto? Obviously, you're in Montreal for a while. Um, you've been in MLS prior to that as well. Then, of course, TFC's born, Canada's first MLS side. How did that move come to fruition? Yeah, you know, we had uh, I'd been in Montreal for since the 2001 period, I believe it was, <clears throat> and we had and it was a crazy time in Montreal from going from essentially a club that was you know taken over by an ownership group that had no idea how to s- support soccer in Canada or, or do anything of such sorts. And, and the league basically had to take over from that group. And then Saputo joined back and, and bought over uh, Montreal impact back in, I think it was 2002. And then from that point we started, they started to build the club back to their success. I mean, they had won the club, they had won the championship in 1994 and had a really good, uh, following, but then it just kind of fell off the rails for a couple of years. And then, so we kind of, we were able to resurrect things. And I kind of came in that point when, when things were at the bottom and then just was able to ride that wave and, and get involved at a good time and had a lot of success. I mean, we had a good defense. I mean, Stax knows like when you're a goaltender, you know, you're only as good as your defenders, you know? And I think that's, that's part of why I had a lot of success in, in Montreal in those, in those days is because we had, a real good solid back four. We had a good, we had a good group of guys 
Um, and then, so my confidence just grew and grew and grew. And then it got to a point where, you know, we had won the, we had won the league cup. I had, I think I was four, four years as a goalkeeper of the year in the league. I won the league MVP as a goalkeeper in 2004, which, you know, <laughs> most goalkeepers don't get that kind of accolade. So, I, you know, anyway, so it was time for me to find another challenge. And then, then obviously Toronto popped up and, and I remember, I think we were playing the Toronto Lynx. I think Jimmy might have been in the stands with Mo, and uh, and and because Jimmy had, I think he had maybe not announced it, but had but had decided to come across and and join join the club. And then so it was it was just that kind of convincing or not convincing, but just an encouragement to try and to see if this was something that I wanted to pursue. And then it was just a, a formality of actually being sold from from the club and that was at that time i think that there was a transfer fee of a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever but back then that was a big deal for the uls or usl or whatever it was called the a-league essentially um but then you know it made it made it work and and uh and joined tfc what do you think uh i was just gonna say wait you know you've uh, followed this montreal side uh, quite closely living there and broadcasting whatnot where do you put this team as far as you know montreal teams of the past they, they look a, a dangerous sort and they must have some confidence and in, uh, going into the playoffs obviously that's clinched they want to make sure they have home field advantage for the first round which looks pretty good um but how far can they go you guys know how difficult it is to win the mls cup and it's you go you go into a cup format it's a different ball game yeah i mean i think this team was uh started the year kind of as you know not really a team to look out for you know um there wasn't a lot of fanfare going into the year it was question marks of course but then and especially after their zero and three start you know you're saying okay well they're a team that you expect and then they turn the corner and and i give full credit to wilford nancy i think this guy has done a fantastic job of of bringing along a really young group this team is fairly young and and that's that's the dangerous part about this whole thing is that they can be good this year but they can be good for the next few years um, and, and not, and not to mention that they really haven't signed any of these, you know, high profile players. I mean, Victor Wanyama, you know, designated player, um, with all due respect to Victor Wanyama, he, he you know, he's not one of these so-called names and, and, you know, high performer, um, but has done a fantastic job with this group. Um, but this is a team that I think, you know, has, uh, has surprised a lot of teams this year, but I think now teams are obviously giving them a lot of respect. Um, but one of the things I think makes them so dangerous is they're lethal from all from all areas of the field. So you talk about a team that can play down the flanks and, and have a lot of success with their wingbacks. And then you have a team that can go down the middle and have a lot of success playing down the middle. Uh, they're a team that actually, I think, kind of is a little abnormal in a sense that they actually build up. You know, where now this game, modern football, it's like, you know, you look for athleticism, you look for speed to just – you know, drive at defenders one v one in wide areas, and and hopefully they can they can run thirty yards with the ball. Yeah. Or this is a team that can actually build up through the back and, and do a good job of of doing that. And and yeah. they had some they had some struggles early on with all of that, but I think they stuck to their guns. And Wilfred Nancy stuck to, to what he felt was going to be successful with this team. And mm. um, yeah. all indications is they're going to be a tough out. I, I do I do wonder when the thing when things get real tough in the playoffs because the game will change. It'll become faster for them for sure if some of their youth or their immaturity will come through. And and that's where I have, 
I have some questions, you know, and, and if they can kind of get through that hurdle with some tough moments and not concede in those tough times, then they might be okay. But that that's my one concern is they're, they're still a bit young. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I watched them play uh, Toronto FC when Toronto FC went up 2-0. <laughs> and to watch them play, the football that they were playing was fantastic. And they were so resilient, but they looked – Every single player looked good in possession, very comfortable on the ball. And even when they didn't have possession, they would just look organized and very, very comfortable where we're saying, okay, look, TFC is going to have possession here, but we're not going to panic. And then when they did get, when they did get the ball, you just felt like every time that something was going to happen. Yeah. So you're right. If they're, they're a great side, they're fun to watch. They are fun to watch, James. And, I, and I, you know what I, I, what also I like about them is that, you know, when a guy like Romel Kyoto, who hasn't scored in the last couple games, you know, and has been the star this year, they're still able to find ways. Again, like I said, they're just they're, they can they can hurt you from so many different areas. I mean, look at Alistair Johnson; like he's had such great success. I mean, that was a, that was a fantastic pickup from the staff to be able to bring him in this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you got to give even a guy like Sam Piet, who he's not going to be flashy. But the guy is is he he he's tactically understands the game. He's always around the ball, and he's simple in the way he plays. You know, you yeah. never see him lose the ball. And no. yeah, and, and, but and, and people will say, well, he's a lot. He's very negative. But you watch him of late. He's actually become a very offensive minded central midfielder who can now start to now you start to see the vision expanding in his game. And I think that's something that I honestly, I mean, if you're John Herdman right now. Like you got to pay attention to Saint Pierre, you know, and you know I I feel like he kind of he's he's been put in a in a sector where you're like yeah yeah he's he's good but can he be a guy who can be successful for our national team on a in a day in day out basis I don't think they get him that much credit yet and I think you you, you got to look at him you got to look at him closely I, I like the way he plays as well sucks and I think a lot of people don't realize he does the dirty work on the pitch absolutely that a lot of players don't want to do. Absolutely. And he doesn't, he doesn't get enough credit for that. You know, it's a great point. And Herbman picks him for most of his squads when he's healthy, right? He likes him. Um, and, but like you said, he hasn't really been a starter as such. But with Atiba's hurt to start the season in Turkey, plus he's had his, his contract's been frozen right now because they can't accommodate it due to the, the foreign player quotas. So, you know, listen, if Atiba's healthy, he'll play. We, we, we know that at the World Cup. But it does give Herbman that option, like you said there, that perhaps you know we wouldn't even have considered six months ago. Yeah, no, and I, and I think you really got to look closely at him because against again, you know, and the guys will tell you, James and, and Stacks will tell you, it, it's one of those things when 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 you have confidence and and obviously individually he's got confidence right now. His game is strong, but also his group, his team is playing really well. You just you 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 feel you feel different like day in and day out, you know, and he, he's playing at a high level. Right now, and I, and I think you got to really respect that. And I think when you're, you know, you maybe if you're John Herman and you're saying, well, if you're like this, maybe now you say, well, man, guys had a lot of success over the last couple of months, and his team is doing really well. That's got to maybe now give you that that edge to, to push him forward. And um, well, they have a good run in the playoffs. Uh, such you never know, right? Well, that's it. Uh, and I and I think they will. I think they will. Stag. I think one of the things there. I'm curious to see how they're going to do at home in the playoffs, right? We've seen them on the road do really well. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how much success they've had on the road. And at home, they kind of, 
I don't know if they 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 become a little bit um, lackadaisical or they're just a little content with certain things at home, and and, and I don't know if they expect more that's gonna it's gonna happen, but for whatever reason they 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 do extremely well on the road, um, and so I wonder at home if they're gonna be able to manage the games the right way because they they struggled. I mean, even this past weekend, you know, I mean, they were down two zero against Columbus. They found a way, but. They struggled, and you go back a few games as well. They're they're not the strongest side at home, and that's another that's another question mark. Well, they'll be flying the Canadian flag, it seems, in the playoffs because TFC is going nowhere fast at the moment. When you look at as a goalkeeper, you look at Alex Bono, who didn't start this this past week, of course, but he struggled in recent weeks. Do you look at it as a confidence issue? Is it really that simple? Because for a guy that's been pretty stable, pretty stable, you know, for much of his career. It seems to be a very different different person uh, in in the recent times. Yeah, perhaps a little bit of pressure on him now to perform. You know, when his team's not really performing well, that's 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 hard. You know, when you're you know you're not winning, and you know if if you're not performing well, it's compounding things. I think you know. I'll take an example. I mean, we when we were playing, I think it was that 2008 season, that beginning of the year. Uh, Brian Edwards was a goalkeeper who also was part of that 2008 team. And he had actually, he was, he had edged me out that second year to get the start in that first game for Mo. And then, and then I was able to, to regain the, the position that second game. And I ran with it for a while, but our team kind of was still trying to find its way. And, and, and we were struggling a little bit, but I felt like I was playing really well, like playing some of the best, playing some of the best soccer I've ever played. And, and so I felt like, you know, I didn't feel a lot like I felt pressure, but I felt like I was I was doing well enough that I was starting to help my team. And I don't think that Alex Bono is doing enough right now to help his team. That's for sure. And I think he's probably feeling a lot of pressure because he knows that he's got to perform if he wants to continue to be with this group. Um, and, you know, listen, it's hard for me to say, you know, he, he's this type of caliber goalkeeper because I don't see him enough. Um, but I think he has his challenges. I think the, the goalkeepers these days are so athletic and I feel like there's a little bit missing there. You know, I, I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's something where, you know, he's just his, 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 his reactions, I feel like are just a bit, you know, a bit short at certain moments, his, his athleticism, his speed of the way he thinks he do, he does things. Mm-hmm. I feel like can be better. And I think maybe the game's starting to catch up with them a little bit. And it happens. I mean, there's some goalkeepers that can come in that can do well, but then the game can change and you can start to fail a little bit. You start to question yourself and then it can catch up to you fast. Now he's certainly yeah. questioning himself. He is, yeah. I mean, look, yeah. look at someone like Joe Hart, right? Uh, who was England number one, Man City, and then, you know, just something happened there. And I know he's at Celtic now, he's doing fine. But, you know, it, it can change quickly. I, I've asked Craig this question before. Mm. Um, and his answer is always everything. But at what point did you realize that, you know, you'd lost something and, and what was it that you, you lost when you're on that slippery slope to retirement? Um, I think that, you know, I think it, it becomes one of those um, things. Memory that- things? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Um, you know, you know what? I, 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 I'll take your time, by the way. Yeah, do you want the question again? Did you remember the question? Do you want another question? Give him another question. again, please. Yeah, uh, I forgot it, so if I can yeah. I've forgotten by this point as well as I'm in Christ, we can move on. Yeah, no, shit. I, I, uh, I think there just comes a stage, too, where you feel like you just had enough. And I was a guy who I was, I loved the game of soccer. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think my passion was strong enough to be a guy who could push through those those moments when I got towards the end of it where I felt like I was just I wasn't engaged enough in it. And my competitive nature was was slowly disappearing, you know, as far as wanting to retain those spots. And, you know, I mean, look, the other part of it is, is that we're, you know, we're not living in we're not living in a in a in a league where we can financially say like, I'm going to push everything I can because I got to make sure that I can earn another good solid contract for next year. When, you know, when you're making that, that time I was on 75 grand, I think my last season. So it was like, you know, I can probably go find another job and make just as much, if not more. And, 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 you know, and not have all these pressures and all this travel and all this crap going along with it. Right. So it just got to a point where I had, I felt like, you know, there wasn't much more for me to, to do. Um, you know, the writing was on the wall when I was in, in Montreal in 2012. I mean, we had Donovan Ricketts who, you know, had a good couple of years prior to that when he showed up great guy, we got along well, but it wasn't, it wasn't a situation where I felt like I was going to give it, was going to be given a chance. And so it just became a point where I said, okay, you know, like, let's, let's just enjoy this year. And I announced, I announced it to, I had, I had met with Joey Saputo probably in, in May or June of that year. And just said, like, look, this is going to be my last season because, you know, I just feel like it's time for me to think about something else. And so it was good. I did it early enough, too. I think it was helpful for me to go through that year, you know, and, and know what was coming. So I, I obviously still did what I needed to do to be professional and, and support our team. But came to a point where I just I just felt like my body had just had enough of it, you know, and it's just it's time to time to move on. Do, do you think that mindset helped you as a coach university level you're at concordia of course you know um, most of the kids you're coaching really good athletes i'm sure but most of them probably aren't going to become top flight goalkeepers professional professional footballers you know they're using the sport as a real vehicle you know for for their lives has it helped you think in that regard yeah i mean i think part of it is just with these kids nowadays they, they they you know they have to live in reality a lot of them they all believe they're going to become professionals. And then I think, you know, things happen during their university careers when they start to get through that first, second, third year. And then they realize, okay, maybe I'm not going to become a professional footballer. And then, so it's just trying to make them understand that there's, there's more to life than, than playing football too. And, you know, as, as silly as it might sound, you know, a lot of these life lessons that we talk about on the, on the football pitch, the, you know, they, they parallel with just life in general. You know, and, and so I think a lot of these guys, I try and do my best to kind of give them a, a platform to be successful as people, you know, and, and because, I, you know, a lot of these guys are, are good kids, but they, they, they're young and they still need they need guidance and they need leadership. And, and, you know, I think being a professional, being in an environment like we've been in for so many years, it's helped me translate a message to to a lot of these young men and women and um you know, we've had a lot of guys that have gone through our program and have had successful careers outside of soccer, which is nice to see. Sounds like a very uh, fulfilling job. 
You know, it is stacks. I, uh, I got into it, not knowing what I was going to kind of, how I was going to take it. Like I, you know, I didn't know if there was going to be enough gratification for me to continue to do this, but honestly, the soccer aside, it, it's more about not to say more, but it's just, just as much about, you know, watching these, these kids grow. I and mean, we had a captain this year, a kid came into my office his first year and he said, you know, Paul Pogba. And I said, yeah, I know him. He said, well, I'm, I'm 2.0. I said, okay, well, let's, let's temper your expectations there, pal. And let's see how you go. And very <laughs> immature, like just a kid who thought he was going to rule the world. And, you know, <laughs> he got smacked upside the head and then, you know, and now he's our captain after five years. Right. And so now he, he's, he's done a whole complete 180. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, right. it's good to see how, like, see how, you know, kind of our, our ways of how we kind of preach to our guys and how our program kind of goes. It's, it's good to see it's, it's helping people like him kind of understand what it's going to mm-hmm. be like, you know, in life for real and not just, you know, this, this sense of, uh, the fantasies that some of these kids have coming into school. Do you need a uh, good grades to get in Concordia? <laughs> you, can find, you can find a way, Stax. If you can, if you can write your name, you pretty much you, you, we'll find right? a way. We'll it's find a Miguel. way. It's not like Miguel. No, 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 no. Or Miguel, man. <laughs> I, I would never coach there. I would never coach there. You got no chance of bringing in. Jimmy Jackson Brennan will never get into Miguel. Ball. That's for sure. <laughs> The Southern of the world. Yeah, sure. You can yeah. get into that school. Hey, such, I would actually still qualify to play, right? Absolutely. Yeah, a mature student, right? Yeah, I think you can get in him as a mature student. I don't know if there is the, there is. This, I think there's been. Well, I still have four eligible years, do I? Yeah, I think there's. I think there's an age limit now. They cut it. Oh, off. come on! Oh, what is his age? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> do you think, Craig, you can make it? You can make the team. For this oh point? God, not a oh, chance. Wow. Yeah, you have a shot. Sure. You Why know not? what? Just if, as long as he just stays within the six yard box and doesn't move. Yeah. Right? You imagine, know, if you let you know, some you know up and coming, you know, ambitious twenty year old goalkeeper. Well, I remember, wasn't there, and wasn't then there like a fifty three year old Forrest shows up. Wait, wasn't there a guy who was kicking field goals at like forty six or forty eight years old for some university, like a D three school down in the states, like a few years ago? I remember oh, seeing that. Right. I mean, he was. Yeah, I remember seeing. That. <laughs> so uh, I'd be like uh, Rodney Dangerfield come back back to school. <laughs> the, tri- the triple Lindy. The triple yeah. Lindy. <laughs> Show up in your in your Corvette, hey, denim jacket on, rock and roll playing. <laughs> It'd be a great story. Yeah, It'd be great well, PR for the animal, school as well. Another Animal House. Yeah, it's an old yeah. movie, but we had uh, <clears throat> who did we have on here? A diver, a Canadian diver. Oh, Despote. Yeah. yeah. Great, great guy. Great guy. Alex. No, Alex. Yeah, that's Jack. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Pate. And I said, have you ever tried the triple Lindy? He didn't know what it was. That's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I mean, he's, a Quebec- not, like- yeah I mean, he's a Quebecer, Stacks. All these people in Quebec, they don't watch English movies. I know, but the, if you're a diver, the triple Lindy is like famous. Of course. Not that famous, apparently. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. Um, so with, with the CPL. <laughs> You know, coming aboard the last few years, has that given some of your players though more encouragement? There is maybe a pathway beyond university. Yeah, they do it, yeah it actually has. It has, James. I think one of the things that it's done is actually it's keep a lot of these kids um, that would normally go down to Division One programs down in the states. They've kept they've kept them here in our country because they see that pathway, where before they didn't have that opportunity to to, to you know look at staying in town and then looking to go. Oh, you guys got a visitor. Hey, come here. Show the guys your pecs, man. Come on. 
And I know, uh, you can dunk still. yeah, and last year I think I mean, I think I'm gonna brag to you about that actually stack. Yes. When I had said that uh, I was still you, dunking. Are you still yeah. dunking now? Well, we haven't started our league. We'll see in a couple of weeks, but uh, uh, you'll be fine. I think I'll be able to manage. I'm trying yeah. to. If I can dunk, you only got to get off the ground about an inch, right? Yeah, you know, that's it. Right? Like I can, <laughs> I, can grab the, I can grab the net by standing. So, oh. you know, but if I can dunk till I'm 50, that'll be a good achievement. Holy <laughs> shit! No kidding. Oh, Could you shit, dunk crazy? I'm 40. Hey, dunks donuts. I can't get over that. I can't get myself <laughs> over that. Uh, over the rim now. I just can't do it. Like maybe with a tennis ball. <laughs> uh, Tall people. We we, we, yeah. we feel your pain. Honestly, we do. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for this, mate. Really enjoyed this. We could go yeah, longer and longer, but uh, congratulations, uh, you know, with your well, – it's been what? It's been 10 years now, isn't it, Concordia? I think I saw a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, it was 2012 when I started there as an assistant coach, and then I think I got the full-time job there at the men's team in 2014 and then took over the women's program at the same – well, 2018, so a few years later. You get a uh... – testimonial or something <laughs> i'll be lucky if i get paid <laughs> well, no, it's, uh, it, it's something i enjoy to do that's for sure and uh you know well we gotta actually we have a, we have a strong team we we, uh, we have started our season and uh our men's team is going to be strong we're one and one we are one oh and one one or first tied our tied our second game but we got a, we got a good team we have a team that uh I think it'll do some damage this year. So, explain a little bit about how your the division works or divisions or how. So we're in, yeah, we're in the Quebec Conference, which is called the RSAQ. So we'll play teams like McGill, University of Montreal, Sherbrooke, Three Rivers, you know, Bishops on the women's side, University of Quebec at Montreal, Laval University. So essentially, if you finish as the top uh, league winner, top of the table in your division. Then you go to nationals and you compete against, you know, the likes of a York University, Queens, or whoever else makes into those those finals. Um, and then because our team, because our conference is represented very well, we actually have two bids, two the top two teams. So the team, the two teams that make it to our our league final will actually advance to the national program because we, like I said, Montreal's won, won it last year. And so that offers an extra bid for us from our conference. So our, our conference is strong. Our conference is strong partly because a lot of these kids, well, all of these kids that come, majority of the kids that come out of our, uh, that go into our universities in Quebec have gone to SAGE, which is essentially grade 13, right? So they go to the college, what they call college here in Quebec. So after graduating from grade 11, you go to college for two years. So these kids are coming out at sometimes, and sometimes we'll go for three years. So some of these kids are coming out of the college system at 2021 and joining universities where we'll have a lot of these kids coming from Ontario that are 18 years old. Oh, so, that's a big difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our league is a lot more mature than, than right. most, yeah. most leagues on average across the country. Wow. So that, that, is, that makes a big difference. Cause imagine, you know, you yeah. have a first year kid who's 20 and you have a first year kid that's 18. It's yeah. A huge yeah. There's a lot of good players that come out of that, that university league in Quebec. Absolutely. We got a kid. We got a good boy right now who's uh, – he was an All-Canadian last year. He's uh, he's going to be another top performer. He's already scored a couple goals this year. Uh, he, he's he's somebody that honestly I think can even probably fight to even maybe perhaps turn some eyes for Major League Soccer clubs. He's he's a, he's a talented kid. He comes from Lebanon, and uh, he didn't start playing organized soccer until he was 14, I believe. And wow. uh, Because wow. – 
Yeah, he had he had moved to Saudi Arabia, but because of you know the whatever the conflicts they had with the academies, they wouldn't allow a kid from outside Saudi Arabia into their systems, and so he didn't get to play organized soccer until he moved to Canada. Um, anyway, so yeah, well, no, we got some talented players for sure, and uh, yeah, it's it's enjoyable, it's fun, it's it's, it's a good league, and, and the CPL has helped keep a lot of this talent here, which is nice to see, and and we've seen now some of these kids grow and. And, and able to join the CPL club, which is a, which is which is what you want to see that that, that pathway, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We'll keep the uh, the pipeline coming there, uh, Greg. Thanks so much, mate. Really enjoy this, and we'll definitely get you on again. Absolutely, thanks, fellas. See you, buddy. See you, buddy. I'll talk to you after. Greg Sutton. I love it when we ask him about stories about being Jimmy's teammates. Everyone just starts giggling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> There's no, so much that they, they, what, that they want to say, but that they can't say. Yeah, that's. But fact. they all say you're a good captain, Jimmy. They all say you're a great captain. So. And listening to them both blow each other for like three or four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? These guys in private, they don't say that shit to each other. Hey, we've had enough of your former teammates on as well saying nice things about you. Such is a great guy, though. He's awesome. He is a great He's guy. one of my I'm favorite. Only, I'm only kidding. I love him. I love him. He was, you know, he was always great uh, as an interviewer as well. Happy to talk and uh, always spoke thoughtfully. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I always enjoyed interviewing him. Yeah. Um, it's a Champions League week, boys. There are games this week. Um, we'll get into those on Wednesday's show. And as far as I know right now, the Prem is back this weekend. Three games are not being played due to issues with police services resources with the Queen's funeral coming up on uh, a week today, on Monday. And Thursday's game, uh, Arsenal against PSV has also been suspended uh, or postponed because of that issue. It's, it's amazing. You know, it might be, they might not have been able to play all the Premier League games anyway if they can't even do it a week later. So it's a major poli- policing shortage, or not shortage, but there's, you know, there's a lot of lot of stuff going on that oh, they need. Because yeah. yeah, it's not just, so, there's, there's police forces being stretched across the country. You know, that's to be right. pulled into London. There's been, there's been millions and millions of people in London purely there yeah. lining up to see, to pay their respects as she lays in state. Like it's, yeah. it's a strange thing, I suppose, but I think it's a London clubs that are it's happening right London, now in Edinburgh. Yeah, I think it's a London clubs that are really struggling just because everything that's going on down there. Oh my God. The rest of the country and further up north, are, yeah. most of the games are all getting played. Yep, yep. Well, the games that you want to watch and can watch, you can watch on Fubo TV, of course. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do fubotv.com slash footy prime. My thanks to Greg Sutton, Jimmy, Craig, JC, B. B had to leave uh, a little bit earlier, but thank you so much. And uh, we will reconvene on Wednesday. See you then. Bye, newspapers. Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. 